Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by Immense Frustration. That uh, that sucked, Ray. I think that's the best way to say that. That sucked. Uh, but Raymond, why don't you let them know before we get started, where can they find us? You can subscribe to us on youtube.com slash the goldcast, and you can also follow us and subscribe to us on Twitter at the underscore goldcast, and be sure to check us out. Listen to us auditorily on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, everywhere that podcasts exist, you can find us there. Be sure to subscribe. And if you want to join the conversation, one of the best places to do that is youtube.com. And be sure to subscribe and click the little notification bell so you get notified when our episodes go live. We do uh, right now two a week and possibly more, depending if something hot drops in between the week because we know there's going to be trades and free agency that might perhaps impact the team. And we want to definitely be around to cover that news when when and if it drops. But uh, for now, if you want to chime in on the discussion of everything surrounding the 2020 49er season be sure to subscribe to that youtube channel that's youtube.com slash the gold cast absolutely join the video feed version of this show we are so excited about it and it looks great and it's only going to get better we have some uh the evolution of this video is far from over and you will see in the coming weeks just what kind of cool stuff we have in store for you it's gonna be good all right raymond here we go not the week one we were looking for but the week one we got uh we're gonna recap it and talk about it all but first the greatest podcast intro in the game your professor of fanalism he's in the building the greatest fanalist in the game is here class is in session let's go san francisco are you ready this is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another frustrating edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis I, I guess. <laughs> Man, Raymond, so last week... We do our favorite episode. We sit down. We lay all the numbers out. You, I have them going, I believe, 12 and 4, possibly 11 and 5. You have them going 14 and 2. <laughs> the margin for error is very slim from here on out, according to my prediction. <laughs> very, very slim. This is a team that we were better than, are better than. This is a team that we believed we were going to handle definitively. And for the first quarter, it looked like that's where this was going to go. It looks like we were on a, we were on the road to a route. We put up 10 points like it was nothing. And then slowly but surely, the wheels started to come off. You know, by the second half, Kyler Murray figured out that once again, the 49ers defense did not have a lot of answers and does not have a lot of answers for a mobile quarterback. Most most defenses in the NFL don't really, especially because it's off script. You're always going to be at a disadvantage when a quarterback chooses to run off script. The design run plays are much easier to stop versus when he's trying to throw downfield, nothing develops and he just takes off because your your linebackers in secondary are all are all downfield. They're in the intermediate zone and they're in the deep zone. Yeah, so 
DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hopkins did DeAndre Hopkins things and uh, put in a stellar performance. If you have him on your fantasy team, I'm sure you're happy. But if you're a Niner fan, you should also be upset that uh, he, he helped your fantasy team, but also may have helped you lose your real team. And so now we saw a wide receiver unit that really struggled to get separation. And then a couple key plays where they were open and Jimmy G just did not see them. And uh, it was a little frustrating because here we go. You know, I can't help but compare us to the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night, right? Kansas City Chiefs come out and it looks like it looks like it, they have not spent even one minute off the field. They picked up right where they left off, completely ready to go, sounding off at top 10 speed, right? It, it's as if the Super Bowl was a week ago for them. And the Niners come out. And I thought the defense played pretty well. I mean, they did the best they could. They can't generate points. And then the longer they got on the field, they started to get tired for obvious reasons. But the Niners looked like they had, like the last time that offense had played was two years ago. And uh, it, you felt every ounce of that offseason with this team. And every team is different. Players are different. You know, they're riding a high out there in Kansas City. You know, it's a, it's a whole different thing out there versus us. But the road back to the Super Bowl and the revenge season has never felt longer than it feels today. And the gap between us and Kansas City looks to be a cavern as of right now. It's only week one. I understand that. There were some good things that happened that I want to get into, but I want to turn the mic to you. You know, this is a game that we had. I mean, we were right there in the fourth quarter, really close, driving down the field, you know, less than a minute left. And um, those last two passes, you know, they really hurt us. And it obviously our chances were pretty much taken away at the very last second there. And no comeback for the 49ers. The final score, 24-20 to 20 in what was a, um, a frustrating and a little bit of a nerve-wracking game for us. So I'm going to turn the mic to you, Raymond. Uh, what did you see uh, in this game? And w- what are your thoughts? I thought the defense, like you said, you know, pretty much picked up right where they left off. Um, even with the absence of DeForest Buckner, they seemed exactly like, because remember, it's like 98% the same. He's the only missing piece. And then uh, Sheldon Day left too. But again, Sheldon Day was a, a rotational guy. We have guys that are much better than Sheldon Day in the rotation currently. So that's not really, you're not missing too much of a beat with Sheldon Day's absence. DeForest Buckner's absence is the one that we really need to watch. Javon Kinlaw did not look great, but we all knew that coming into this game that he was going to come in and play and just not have a whole lot of polish to do a lot of immediate impact like Nick Bosa did last season. It's going to be more like a project. We just, I just hope it's not going to be the same length of time as Eric Armstead but to be fair in Armstead's defense he's dealt with multiple coaching regimes up to this point so this has been the the most consistent uh, coaching regime he's dealt with so far and that has paid dividends within a couple seasons for him so so hopefully Javon Kinlaw will reap the same benefits of, of a shorter timeline before he actually turns into something that's you know more in line with what we had in DeForest Buckner so we'll just have to wait and see But I felt like the block punt after getting that 10-point lead really kind of took the wind out of our sails, and the Niners never really recovered from that. At least that was was my perspective. That was my opinion of it. And even though we had the lead going into the half, 13-10, I just felt like we were constantly playing from behind. Uh, Third down was a really big—I mean— 
two, a couple things. The lack of preseason was very evident. And it's evident with a lot of teams uh, this week. It's not just the 49ers. And I, I wish it wasn't our team that kind of saw some of that rust. Because the Cardinals didn't seem to have a whole lot of that rust. But at the same time, you have that. Plus the fact that no Jalen Hurd, no Debo Samuel, no Brandon Ayuk. Obviously, two of those three guys are pretty young and have not had a whole lot of playing experience. But their absence still has an impact regardless of what their skill level is or what their ceiling could be. And Debo Samuel, we know that him, he's a true number. He's right. He's hovering between number one, number two is is where he's at. So we know what we're going to get out of him. So his absence was felt. Trent Taylor hasn't played in a long time. So he's still getting back into rhythm. Outside of that, Kendrick Bourne is not a true number one. He's a three at best. And he's a good possession receiver. He's a pretty, he's a pretty decent uh, red zone target because of his size. But again, and, and Dante Pettis, Dante Pettis is a shadow out there. He's a ghost. He's nothing, nothing reliable by any stretch of the imagination. Unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, Jarek McKinnon can catch. Um, he saw, he saw, he saw a few targets. He actually looked, considering he hasn't played in two years, he actually looked pretty good. Uh, you know, and he seemed to get better as the game went on, as he started to kind of reacclimate. It did. I think he was getting more comfortable, getting his confidence back, getting the the feel of the game back under his weight. So I think, as long as health, as long as he can stay healthy, there actually might be a pretty pretty high ceiling for him as he progresses. He, I mean, to have think about it, because this guy can catch, he can catch uh, better. He's the best, one of the best uh, receiving running backs in all of football. So he's right up there with the Le'Veon Bells of the world, the Melvin Gordons of the world. He's that good. That's how he's been touted. That's part of his uh, scouting report. It's just he hasn't been healthy. So, you know, and Kyle Shanahan really wants to use him that way. That was one of the reasons why they brought him over from Minnesota. And he got three touches for 20 yards and a touchdown. So he did, did was an impact in the air in this game. Not so much on the ground. That takes, you know, only three carries, 24 yards. So he had an eight-yard average when he did get carries. So he was good. Raheem Mostert was definitely the bell cow in this one. Although I felt like Arizona handled him, handled the running game overall pretty well. Um, not a big showing from the running game side of things. But to me, the biggest the biggest telltale signs were on not just with the running game, but it was with the passing game. Um, even though Jimmy, for the most part, was efficient, he actually put up better numbers than Kyler Murray. Actually did pretty good fantasy-wise. Um, but He actually put up his best statistical numbers of any week one. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that he there was a lack of time. You know, the timing, uh, timing seemed a little off. He wasn't as accurate as he usually is. Third down was absolutely atrocious. And remember, this was Which the, is his specialty. That's his specialty. That's what he excelled at. Exactly. So on third down last year, in passing situations, that's not including run situations, but in passing situations, San Francisco was the number one football team for third down conversions when passing. Overall, they were the fifth best offense on third down conversions. Today, we were two for 18. That's 18%. Arizona, on the other hand, looked more or less like we did last year. They were seven for 14. They were 50%. They were excellent on first down. 50% in the NFL is going to win you a lot of football games or is going to at least keep a lot of drives going if you're able to generate 50% of your third downs. 
So, and sure enough, you know, they came away with a win. It was a small margin of victory, but it was a margin of victory nonetheless. I thought this game was going to be close like the other two Arizona games, but I didn't think that we would come out on the losing column here. But I think a lot of this was, was there was rust on the offensive line and they not giving Jimmy enough time, which affected his accuracy. Uh, and there was not a whole lot of receiving options for Jimmy. George Kittle went down with a, a sprained knee hyperextension. We'll have to see how that sh- shapes up this week. I have I have a lot of optimism in his ability to be healthy and be ready for Sunday, but not having him in the lineup late in the game certainly hurt us. Uh, Jordan Reed had a couple touches, but and he basically became a decoy for the rest of the game. They clearly clearly did not did not seem interested in um, testing the waters with that knee, and he never got a pass. For, he didn't even get. A, I don't even know if he got. Any, he barely got any. Barely any looks towards himself at the second half of the game. Yeah, I mean, we had a. They allowed three sacks, and uh, those sacks. I mean, it's three sacks, but I mean, you typically only get a few sacks per game, anyways. And those are big sacks are big drive killers because uh, a lot of times teams will blitz on third down, especially if it's third and long because they or, or even if it's uh, third and short because they're really trying to get too fast and disrupt the passing lanes and disrupt any type of progress to keep the drive going or to get a new set of downs. And I thought Arizona's pass rush was pretty pretty darn good. If they weren't sacking, they were putting pressure and forcing Jimmy out of the pocket, which is not his strong suit. Although he did have that one scramble late in the game to keep the drive going. I thought that was nice. I think sometimes he's probably going to have to rely on that a little bit more at least for the next few weeks with Debo Samuel out so that might be an option you just just make sure to slide but got to keep drives alive I know he loves to rely I know he would prefer to just throw it uh, throw it to somebody and get the ball out but sometimes I think in in these and with these next few, few four, ugh, with these next four weeks he's gonna have to rely on a little bit of scrambling too especially if we're going to see pass rushing like this that's going to come in his face, disrupt him. I don't really expect a whole lot from from next week's matchup, which we'll talk about later in the week. But at the same time, you know, um, the Niners look vulnerable right now. So if I'm the Jets, I'm thinking, hey, I've got a, There's a formula here that we might be able to use going into this game that might give us an advantage, even though the Jets are, you know, again, Arizona's a 500 team. So they're going to put up a good fight. And against division rivals, they play like a playoff contender. That's just the way everyone plays in this division. So so it's never, never going to be easy against Arizona. It's certainly not going to be easy when we play them later this year towards the end. But I think New York, you know, New York is trash, but New York is going to look at the tape and use that against us because they're like, hey, this offensive line is not blocking for Jimmy. If we can generate pressure and take away the run game, then we got him. We got him. You know, and they were able to slow down the running game and force us to throw late in the game. And luckily, you know, we had a drive going where it looked like we were going to possibly have a game winning play because it had to be a touchdown. Couldn't settle for a field goal. And it was in Jimmy's hands and he had, you know, back to back uh, incompletions. So I think the second one was to Trent Taylor. But, uh, you know, that's got to change going forward. I do think that um, perhaps this game will serve as a wake up call because like, hey, you guys may have had the right mindset and the focus going in there, but you did not execute. You looked like a team that uh, still needed, still that needs to go back to the drawing board and iron out the kinks. Apparently, practice and training camp wasn't enough. Apparently, not having the preseason hurts you quite a bit because uh, there's some work that needs to get done. I have faith in their ability to tighten things up and to look much sharper next week, but um, it's kind of disappointing to start the season this way, especially with the way that they've 
been talking about their approach coming into the season the whole time in the offseason, the whole time, especially in the training camp as we're getting closer. We're just focused. We're just focused because it's, it's all good. It sounds good. Like, wow, these guys are really focused. They sound really seriously intent on coming back into the season and, you know, uh, taking care of unfinished business, as they call it. But, you know, that was a pretty disappointing way to start uh, the season. So I, it was uh, very I was very disappointed to see that. I, I'm sure a lot of fans were. I think the good news is that it's week one and not week 17. Well, the good news is that it's week one. But the bad news is it's against a conference, a division rival and division numbers count. They and do in this league. One division loss could be the difference between fifth place, first place, and third place, and it really is that tight in the NFC West. They could, and you know, if there was one, I'd rather have that loss against Seattle because they're a tougher matchup, and meaning that you know, because last year we swept Arizona and the Rams, and then we were one and one against Seattle. So now that makes things difficult because now the margin for error is like now you have to sweep, in my opinion. I'm not trying to get too far ahead of us here, but as far as the division's concerned, especially as you pointed out, the competitive nature of the division, I think you have to sweep the Rams now. And you, it's a now, I have to, these are have to sweep scenarios now. You have to beat Seattle yeah. and you have to beat LA. And you have to take the next game against Arizona if you want a chance at winning this division because that's what it took last year. If you go down, if you, here, we are basically already in a scenario where, and this this may be hyperbolic, but often not in the NFC West. We're in a position now where we really can't lose another division game. And what are the chances that we're not going to lose a division game? I'd say right now, based on what we're seeing, they're not high. You know, there's a good chance we are we are probably going to split with Seattle, and we may split with Rams. Rams do look good. I hope Louis is happy uh, at Louis B because his Rams they looked a lot better than they did last year. They did look a lot better. The no Todd Gurley, they're going they're a copycat league. Everyone's copying Kyle Shanahan's running scheme right now. They're doing uh, Pittsburgh today. Pre-snap motion, a bunch of pre-snap motion in Pittsburgh's offense right now. And Pittsburgh has a pretty good offense last time I checked. Um, and they looked really sharp against a team that uh, is not was doesn't have a lot of high expectations coming to the season and they took care of them pr- rather convincingly. So uh, look out, AFC. You've got as long as Ben's healthy, you've got some contenders there. Um, but uh, but that's um, that is uh, you know it it just uh, it it compounded on a day that wasn't very good for Bay Area sports. The Giants got blasted by the Padres. So we know what the we know what when stiff competition comes into the the it comes into the house. Giants reminded us that they are still very much a 500 team, unfortunately. But um, but, you know, going back to the focus here, um, it's not all negative. I know we've been pretty negative this time, but I I think, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, the you know, it's going to we're going to have to evaluate as fans. We're evaluating all the things that went wrong. And, you know, we'll obviously end the latter half of this analysis with some of the positive things, because there were some. There were some positive things. Uh, but getting back to this, I think the two plays that really broke our back, you already mentioned one, but you didn't mention the second one. The first one you mentioned was the punt. Absolutely. The block punt that just, I mean, a turnover on special teams like that. It just gave Arizona life when they didn't have life before. And it really seemed to suck the momentum out of our sails. The other one though, was the goal line stance, the goal line stance. I mean, right at the one we could not get in, we get in, this game is over. We, we would have already won. That was all it would have took. We wouldn't have needed the we wouldn't have needed the uh, 
you know, the final drive there to try and save the game, and then the final minute we would have already won. The defense couldn't take advantage of the fact that they were pinned on the one because we went for it on fourth down, fourth and goal, didn't get it, and then they got out of they got out of the end zone. You know, that was annoying too. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, maybe there's a chance we get two points out of this. So just because they're pinned back there, it's never a good place to be, and we have a pretty good defense that should be able to take care of it. You know, I mean, it was it was hard to catch Kyler Murray today. We did sack him tight twice. Uh, Hyder, uh, a guy we haven't heard much of, new guy, he got a sack today, and DJ Jones got a sack. DJ Jones, hey, remember he's been uh, working on more pass rushing skills, and that showed today. So that was excellent from him uh, to start off the season with a sack. Pretty darn uh, good. So that's looking really good in terms because remember, he's playing in the position that DeVorce Buckner was playing in. He's also our nose tackle on early downs, but he was specifically there to slow down the run. But now that he's able to generate more pressure, that's going to really help out D Ford and Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. So that's really good news going forward. The defensive line looked for the most part as good as they have been. I think they're only going to get better as they get into rhythm there, but they still look pretty, pretty good forcing Kyler Murray out of the pocket, forcing scrambles out of him, disrupting plays for all of the drop back quarterbacks that we're going to face going forward. That's going to be really, really difficult on them. And we have quite a few of them coming up. Although Aaron, uh, or uh, what's his name? Uh, not Aaron Donald. Um, the Jets quarterback does have he's is is a little bit more on the mobile side. Sam Darnold is a little bit on more on the mobile side, but uh, albeit not quite as good as a Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson. But he's got some legs. But again, those that's another that's for later in the week. But I also uh, thought that uh, um, Emmanuel Mosley played excellent. Um, I, although in the first half it, it got a little out of hand in the second half, but I thought he did a really good job. Um, covering uh, DeAndre Hopkins in the first half of the game. I thought he was excellent. Um, he actually led the team with tackles with 11, so he looked pretty good overall. I know we worked out um, five players today. or f- Yeah, f- we worked out five players. Four out of the five were cornerbacks. Some people think that that has to do with the fact that Dante Johnson got beat by the stunt, which led to the, punt, the uh, p- blocked punt. In the, in the second quarter there. So I think that um, perhaps we're finding someone that is better suited to fulfill that role. So we got a couple of young guys there. Guys you've never heard of. Uh, Aaron Wilson, Tino Ellis, uh, Marquise Bridges, Ezekiel Ansah. That name's actually familiar. Uh, Christian Angulo and Brian Allen. So that uh, we'll have to see. The uh, Tino Ellis is undrafted out of Maryland. He was in Saints camp uh, this offseason. And he's 6'1", 195 pounds. So similar makeup to Dante Johnson, a big, bigger cornerback. But we'll see what uh, what that brings just because we're trying to get some other guys in there. And then Bridges, I think, is 5'11", 186. And there's uh, not too much there. We'll just have to see what happens with these guys that they brought in. I think, uh, you know, obviously I think they're looking for some extra help to bring to Emmanuel Mosley because perhaps, because again, he was good in the first half, not so good in the second half. So, and after once, once Deandre Hopkins yards amassed 150, you start to think about weaknesses at cornerback. Cause obviously, you know, they're not gonna, Akella Witherspoon got beat out for the starting position. So that's not a reliable fallback option. So they're bringing in some fresh legs and feet to see if perhaps they can get some additional support and depth out of that group. So we'll see how that develops during the week. And so really kind of going back to what I was saying, uh, you know, these, the, the two major plays that I thought really, really kind of broke the back of the 49ers. Um, and as you mentioned, 
you know, don't we shouldn't be panicking too much. You know, Goldcast Nation, stay relaxed a little bit. This doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. Uh, and Rimen, I would like to talk about a couple positive things that did happen. So, for instance, Trent Williams was great. He allowed just one hurry on 38 pass-blocking snaps. Only one hurry. Seven-time Pro Bowler picking up right where he left off after not playing for a year. A year, two years, was it? I think it was a year. Check check this out. He had the second-highest rating among all tackles in the NFL. Gosh, I wonder who was better. Quentin Nelson. I know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, that's. Uh, I thought he played excellent, too. I didn't get to see all of the game. I had to listen to it on the radio because I was on the road working. On Sunday, unfortunately, but um, it was great Papa because when they got that go-ahead touchdown to make it twenty to seventeen, I got to hear the famous uh, Greg Papa call. That was another positive, albeit not necessarily directly tied to the team, it, more of an indirect uh, a positive, but a positive nonetheless. Yeah, just an audio pleasure for you. I thought Raheem Mostert picked up right where he left off for the most part. Didn't necessarily put, do a lot of damage on the ground as he's done in the past, but was excellent in the air. Showed that burst speed, catching that pass and just blazing past everyone, every defender that was left in his way uh, in Arizona. So I thought that was great. Jarek McKinnon got better as the game went on and he was an impact, uh, made a small impact on the ground and small impact in the air. And the numbers of those those small contributions were all very good. So that's promising going forward because his workload is going to increase as the season goes on. There was a little bit of Tevin Coleman in there, not too much. I think this was really about uh, getting Jarek McKinnon's feet wet and also allowing Raheem Mostert to take over as the number one uh, back option, much like Matt Breida did in the first half of last season. Yeah. So then let's go, let's talk about a couple other players that did well. Well, speaking of Nick Bosa, uh, let's see here. He had, he had five quarterback pressures, one hit, four hurries, and his five run stops were tied for the most from any defensive lineman in the NFL through Sunday's games. Another another great stat. So Bosa picking up where he left off. Our center, I don't know how to say his name exactly correctly, Hironis Grassou, I think is how you say that. Uh, he, he did not allow, allow a quarterback pressure while playing any of his offensive snaps. Not one pressure did he allow. That was good. Uh, Greenlaw. Only played 30, 35 snaps, but he had the second highest grade behind Bosa. He, let's see here, he only gave up two catches for four yards. And he helped, and he was part of that breaks, breakup that led to the Yakiski Tour interception. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, obviously uh, our number uh, 14 overall draft pick. He wasn't in the starting lineup, but he, he opened with two quarterback pressures and one run stop while only playing 39 snaps. Not a bad start for the kid. Uh, Fred Warner, uh, he had three run stops. Uh, he only allowed two completions on three targets and, and for only 12 yards, and he did have one pass breakup. So as you mentioned, defense looking pretty solid. But going back, let's go Let's go to the one person we haven't talked a whole lot about. We, you mentioned him earlier, but we haven't gotten do- dive too deep. Mr. Jimmy Garoppolo, he was under pressure nine of his 37 dropbacks. It's nearly a third. <clears throat> A third of the time. That's a lot. <clears throat> it is a lot. He, But he completed none of his passes of 20 yards or more downfield. He, there was four total. He missed none of them. His overall grade was 49.8. And the only he was only better than Carson Wentz and the quarterback you already mentioned, Sam Darnold. Uh, he, yeah, so that, that was that. Pettis was only targeted on one route. 
he he ran for 30 pass routes. I'm really bummed about Pettis. What a waste of roster space. You know, it's kind of become that way. I'm not sure what the deal is with Pettis, but I just don't think, I just don't think, uh, I, you know, Pettis. I, I I hope he I hope he is able to find somewhere where he's successful, but I don't think it's going to be with the 49ers, and I think that is you know more than obvious now. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, not his usual self. Four quarterback pressures, two hits, two hurries. Solomon Thomas, uh, not a single tackle or pressure on the quarterback and he played for 40 snaps 40 snaps Quan alexander gave up four catches for 38 yards 28 of those yards came after the catch that's a pretty rough one pretty rough one um well, at least he had a tfl yep 49ers is another big one that stands out on the defense though uh eight missed tackles with eight different players warner mosley bosa uh, Kevin Gibbons, Quan Alexander, Kerry. Yeah, Ryder. so there were some shortcomings on the defense, but for the most part, they gave the offense a lot of opportunities to get back there. But we just had so many three and outs. Um, it so was many really, outs. really annoying and frustrating because I was like, all right, they're down. They should be good. And then boom, just over and over and over again. And it was either a sack that disrupted the play, pressure that disrupted the play. Remember, almost nearly a third of the time, Jimmy was under duress. And that's not including, I'm, I don't know if that includes the sacks. Does that include the sacks when it says nine pressures? No, I, it doesn't mm-hmm. state from from what from the stats I'm looking at here. Because if you add the sacks, I mean, I, I'm going to assume that the sacks are included with pressures because that counts as pressure. But you're right. I mean, nine nine. Uh, going back to Mr. Jimmy Garoppolo here. Uh, nine of 37 is one fourth. I mean, that's one in every four plays he's under pressure. That is pretty consistent. Exactly. So that's once a series, <laughs> Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, if you break it down that way and all you need is one of those, if, and if that's on third down, then that kills the series. So, and, and that's, and plus you couple that with the fact that there was no wide receivers. You can see why there was struggles. Although at moments he looked sharp, at moments he was threading the ball very well, and I thought they were fine. But then there was a late in the game. Usually when I expect him to excel, as he's shown in the past, because he does have comeback ability and he has a good comeback record for such a young quarterback in a young career, uh, it just came up short this time. Um, so it's it's unfortunate. But I think once he gets some of the weapons back. It won't be so difficult. He won't have to just be thinking about Trent Taylor or Kendrick Bourne or a a non a useless decoy of a George Kittle. You know, I'm, just, I'm surprised they didn't throw more Ross Dwelly or Jordan Reed into the mix to try to get something going. Maybe they did. You know, again, I wasn't watching uh, these. Kevin plays. Coleman too. They, you know, he he they didn't give him a lot of work. And you know, Kyle Shanahan said that he felt like. Um, the offensive woes, he did put it on himself. He said, you know, that there, there, there was there's a lot of things they were struggling with offensively, and that really comes down to me and that, you know, I'm, the buck stops with me. It did feel like we didn't see the usual creativity out of Kyle Shanahan. And, you know, I mean, Kyle Shanahan, too, you know, maybe just kind of getting reacclimated, re back into it. But overall, this looked like a team that honestly did not look prepared for this game. I mean, there weren't a lot of adjustments. I thought the second half we would see a 49ers team that was readjusted and ready to go. And to be honest, the team that looked like they had readjusted and were ready to go was Arizona. And so I'm very disappointed. Um, I'm very nervous about our, our wide receivers. We, we I feel like we basically have a bunch of wide receiver three, fours, and fives out there that aren't really capable of getting much separation. And I'm very nervous as to what that means for going forward. And 
I guess Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, they cannot get here fast enough. Brandon Ayuk, I think, will probably be there next week. But Debo Samuel has been put on IR, so he'll be gone for the next three weeks. So it looks like there was a setback in his recovery, which, again, we thought that – I thought week one was a long shot. I thought it was going to be more – either it was going to come up to week two, week three. But now we're thinking they're thinking more like week four. So that's unfortunate. Now he has to miss uh, 25% of the season. Not a good way to start the season at all. So, again – got to stay healthy healthy is so important so it's very frustrating to see players you know and i know they're not doing this intentionally i'm not trying to say that you know not trying to say that they're irresponsible but you know you've got to really be on your p's and q's the same type of polish or discipline and focus that you put during game time also applies to your rest and recovery too so i just hope these guys take these injuries to heart and realize that you know you can really you can really hinder a team when you don't take care of yourself and allow injuries to take you uh, out of position literally you know if Debo Samuel's there this is a different ball game absolutely if Brandon Ayuk's there we don't know what his impact is yet well to be honest and I talked about this going all the way back to last season losing Emmanuel Sanders and not finding a way to keep him on the roster really hurt. And uh, we saw that even before Emmanuel Sanders was on the roster last year, the wide receivers were struggling to get open. And um, that that veteran leadership that I talked about, the ability, and really not it's with Emmanuel Sanders, it's not just veteran leadership; it's veteran level talent that a wide receiver of his caliber brings to the game. You really see that difference, and it's the one place that this team has not really we have not. You know, Emmanuel Sanders really been the only breakout guy we've had in the entire run of Kyle Shanahan. That was only for half a season. And, you know, we see again with, with him gone and Debo out, there is not a lot of options. And, you know, it, it is going to require a lot of creativity. But I'm very nervous about this wide receiver unit. And I've been bothered about this all offseason, you know, that this this wide receiver unit um, – I, I don't know. I think, you know, I think another midseason trade, we need something. Mm-hmm. We need something. You know, there was rumors last week that there was possibly a trade that was going to happen for the 49ers. That didn't seem to go anywhere. Um, so, you know, we don't know what position it was for, but we need something. You know, what I think we should do is just trade the Saints for Michael Thomas and just call it a day. That's my, you know, just say, hey, you know, for, uh, you know, just, uh, I'm, and I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know that that's not even possible. <laughs> well, I think you know, with the money that the money that Emmanuel Sanders wanted, we couldn't afford. We had to allot that cash, the limited cash that we had, to a George Kittle. And if it comes down to signing those guys, ten times out of ten, I'm going to want the Niners to sign Kittle. So even though I agree with you, Emmanuel Sanders' presence is definitely missing, and it's very evident. But there was no way in hell that we were going to able to keep. We could not. We could not afford him. Did not have the extra cash to pay him to keep him around. New Orleans did. Congratulations to them because uh, Michael Thomas is also injured right now. So they're going to need some of the the. They're going to need Emmanuel Sanders going forward. Um, so whatever. But this isn't the the Hudak cast. You have to go there if you want more details on what's happening with Michael Thomas and the Saints. But as far as the 49ers are concerned, um, definitely some concerns going in with wide receivers. But uh, I think having another week under their belt of practice and reflection, I think will help get the existing group ready to perform better against a team that really shouldn't have any business uh, competing or giving us a run for our money is what I should say. 
this should be a decisive win coming into this week. So let's talk about that. We've got two games coming up here in New York at MetLife, and we'll be there for the next couple of weeks. Two trash we'll teams. We'll, two trash teams. These are slump busters, if you will. These these two teams present an opportunity for this team to figure out the kinks, figure out what weapons they do have, what weapons work, how to how to become a little bit more elusive, how to make us ourselves not look so predictable because we looked very predictable on Sunday, something I'm not used to seeing either from our offense. And uh, I think this gut check was good. If we can spend the next two weeks really putting this thing together, then we've got in week four, you've got we've got here we've got the Philadelphia Eagles. So if we can if we can sit here if we can take take care of the Jets and the Giants, Rieger for the Eagles. The Eagles looked really sketchy too, you know, out out there this weekend. If we can put together three wins and get ourselves uh, basically to October, and when Debo comes back, we're we're fine. We're fine. There's no need for alarm. And these two teams are the perfect two teams coming up for us to basically basically get our ducks in a row. You know, I mean, the Jets and the Giants back-to-back, I mean, this is an opportunity that the 49ers need to take advantage of. And I'm really hoping we get that statement yeah. game. I really hope we see a team that comes back and comes back ready and focused and and shows me that they want to get this revenge season. Because right now we're fourth in the NFC West, and I know it means nothing. It's only week one. But this the margin for error in this division is so slim and i've already said that we said that in the middle of the episode earlier it's so slim raymond and there's just this this has got to be the gut check necessary to take this thing team further because kansas city they don't look like they've slowed down baltimore ravens they don't look like they've slowed down seattle seahawks they don't look like they've slowed down los angeles rams they look like they're picking up so these guys got to get it together you know because and and i hope they do and uh you know i i would say uh, I'm not. I'm. I'm obviously not calling in the season yet. It's just begun, but I just think the Niners have their work cut out for them, and I'm. I'm surprised at 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 how much work they look like they have cut out for them versus what I thought going into the game. Yeah, and uh, I think that. I think that this this next two weeks will be good because again these are these are not good teams. I I don't think they're going to give them the respect like they do every opponent. But as fans, the the truth is these are trash teams, and these will be these next two weeks, these next three weeks will be a really good opportunity for the Niners to just really get into rhythm, play some low level teams. You got you got your your first fight out the gate. You know, was a playoff caliber fight, as all the division matchups typically are in the NFC West. And you came up short. They fought to the bitter end and came up short on the very last play, the very last drive. And then all Arizona had to do was kneel. So at least it wasn't a blowout. You know, it could have been a lot worse, but it wasn't. So again, we just know that the lack of polish, of the lack of readiness by like some of our offensive linemen and the health of the wide receivers was too much to overcome with a with a team like Arizona. So unless the other people step up, it's we're going to see more of that. So, but I don't think that this group is going to allow that to happen. There's too much talent and pretty good depth on both sides of the ball at various positions, not so much wide receiver right now, to not feel optimistic about them going forward. So, I think there's a lot to feel good about. I think Trent Taylor is going to get better. You know, he's working with Wes Welker, who excel, who excels at his position, excelled at his position when he played. And Trent Taylor showed amazing potential before he got injured. 
So as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be just another option coming out of the slot position, along with Kendrick Bourne on the other side playing the wide receiver three position. And then once Debo and Ayuk get in there, Ayuk should be back within the next week or two. So that'll be good news. We'll get to see what he's capable of. At least one of our receivers that we drafted is going to be in there. I think uh, Kendrick Bourne's undrafted. But I, but uh, and and then uh, the running game should uh, definitely take a step forward this next week because we're going against teams that again are just really not good from top to bottom defensively, and we'll obviously get into the details of what New York's capable of uh, later in the week. But you know, uh, just to kind of give a, a little bit of broad spectrum and also just give a little positive hope to the fans. I know this this has been a lot of a uh, lot more critical of the team right now, but uh, it's just I think. Uh, you know, the, the expectations are high because of where we were and how much of the team we were able to retain in the offseason. So to see them start like this obviously is kind of a little bit of a, a shocker to all of us, include more and probably more to the to the Niners than anybody else, obviously. But um, but I think uh, going forward, I think there's a lot to look forward to. I think you're going to see a lot a lot of things get cleaned up because now you have an official live fire exercise under their belt. It's on record. It's in the books. So now going forward, you know what you have to clean up. And I think it's very clear. And the competition that they're going to face going forward, I think is going to allow them to build some confidence and build some momentum, especially as they start getting towards uh, the gauntlet uh, shortly after that. Yeah, we don't have a lot of time. We have four more weeks, and then the gauntlet begins against the Los Angeles Rams. So what say you, Goldcast Nation? What did you see in this game? What were the good things? What were the bad things? And what do the 49ers need to clean up to really make this a go? Let us know on our brand new video feed of the Goldcast at youtube.com slash the Goldcast. Check it out. We are right there live and direct. You can see our extremely handsome faces. One thing you may not realize is that we're incredibly good looking. I would say probably 12 on a scale of one to eight we're at 12. So you definitely don't want to miss this. We, you know, we, they're literally, that's just science. It's not, you know, that's, these are statistical facts done these by are, a lot. It's a lot of research and studies are done this. I think, uh, the university of Carolina was, uh, the last study that came out to determine our handsomeness scale. Yeah. University of Stanford. Yes. <laughs> university of Stanford, <laughs> university of Stanford, uh, the university, uh, golden gate university. In San Francisco, I mean, there's a lot of lot of people. Yeah, the, San Francisco uh, State. San Francisco State, absolutely. So there's a lot of uh, you know, a lot, a lot has a lot of information been out there. I mean, we we're just reporting the news. We're no, we don't create yeah. the news. Don't so, hate the know. player, hate the game. <laughs> All right, we'll be back on Thursday. We're we'll recording our next episode on Thursday, where we will preview the Jets game. But so ends our recap of Week. One, we'll be back a little bit later in the week. You know, we're uh, back to two episodes a week, and we're very excited. Here we go. The season is in full swing, and the Goldcast is here right with you for this journey. And so concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis I, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time. Same Goldcast channel. This is, is the Goldcast.